Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast, featuring me, Mike Calvin. Paul Haywood, the author and columnist, and Adrian Clark, the tactical analyst. Who needs the Super League when you've got the Champions League semi-finals of such intensity and unpredictability? Liverpool seem capable of protecting a two-goal lead in Villarreal. But no one can say with any certainty what will transpire in the Bernabeu on Wednesday. Manchester City have a slender 4-3 lead over Real Madrid. Now, last week's game was gloriously chaotic, Adrian. But as far as City are concerned, you know, they've got a patchy history in this competition. Is the curse of the Champions League about to strike again? (laughs) It could, absolutely. And it shouldn't. It shouldn't. We shouldn't even be talking about Manchester City place in the final being under threat because they are I think in, in in almost every respect significantly better than Real Madrid and and they could have won that game 8-3 couldn't they it's it was it was a, a bonkers game absolutely glorious to watch but they've allowed Real Madrid into it haven't they and and we saw what what their amazing talent and belief can can do in that match. And I think the fact that they're still in the tie, Real Madrid, will give them an even greater belief that, that they it's their destiny to see off Manchester City and, and to reach the final this season. But yeah, I think I think that Manchester City will have an awful lot of regrets about uh, A, their finishing and B, the way that they... Uh, Defended against Real Madrid at times in, in that contest, it was it was it was great to watch. But I would imagine that Pep was um, Pep wasn't happy. Yeah, you know, let's be honest here, Paul. You know, we're going to be part of this. Well, we are part of this by even talking in this way. You know, a lot's going to be made of City's record as as nearly men in the Champions League. I suppose the question is, do they have the collective mental strength? to ignore all that white noise which is going to be around them. Yeah, I certainly think they have the mental strength and they will keep reminding themselves that they are ahead in the tie. But what they don't have is that ruthlessness, that sort of clinical edge that, that Liverpool have. And, it, and it, it, it will prey on their minds, I think, that they should have put Real Madrid away in the first leg. And, it, and there are a number of City players you know who were who were guilty of again that lack of ruthlessness around the penalty area uh, it's a pattern you've seen in Manchester City all season they get away with it because they create so many chances they got so many good players in the end they overwhelm teams really without having a, the clinical edge that really really great sides have 
But Real Madrid will have will have noticed that and it will have encouraged them. And City, as Aid said, will just be thinking, hang on, we've slightly messed this up once and now the pressure's on us not to mess it up again. When you think about it, Adrian, you know, I think there's you know, a good body of opinion which says that Kevin De Bruyne is the best midfield player in the world. I think one thing that gets overlooked is his experience. You know, he's the only survivor, for instance, from that goalless draw in Madrid between the teams in 2016. Is he the key player in this in this return leg? I think he is. Yeah, he he was outstanding, wasn't he, in the game? And and I talked ahead of that that match and and, and picked out the midfield of City compared to to Real Madrid and. And it, it, it's younger, it's more dynamic. I know that Kevin De Bruyne isn't young, but it's 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 fitter, it's faster, it's stronger than the engine room of of, of Real Madrid. Who obviously, as a nod to that, they they left out Casemiro, didn't they, and put in Valverde. They, they changed things around a little bit, but even so, City did slice through the middle of the pitch with great frequency, particularly in that in that first half an hour. And De Bruyne was at the heartbeat of everything. He is a sensational player. And I don't think Real Madrid have got anyone in their side that can live with him if he brings his A game on, on the night. But but Kevin De Bruyne alone can't carry Manchester City to the Champions League final. They also have to find a way to, to cope with Benzema and Vinicius Jr. Because it, we know Pep is all about us. It's how we play. We'll score more than you, but but I think there has to be a little bit more focus on on denying those two star players for Real Madrid the opportunity to hurt them, and and that might be as pivotal as as how De Bruyne performs. Mm. What about Phil Foden, Paul? You know, I, I look at him; he still looks about fifteen, and <laughs> he, he, with that haircut, actually, he looks like one of those princes who were who were um, imprisoned in the Tower of London in about. Thirteen sixty or something. Um, is he is he on the is he on the verge? Do you think of, of fulfilling, which is obviously a rare talent? I'm glad you asked me about this because he, he's he, he's an exceptional talent, and he's going to be potentially one of England's great players. But there's a problem, I think, with a young talent though, in that they reach a point where everybody says best player since Gascoigne. People stop questioning their development. It's not, you know, you're not allowed anymore to, you have to suspend your critical faculties and all you can do is heap praise on a guy. And I think that's fundamentally unhealthy because I still think he's got some developing to do. Mainly, I don't, I don't think his composure around the penalty area when he gets finishing opportunities is quite at the level it, it needs to be for him to become a great player. I think he'll get there, but at the moment... He's occasionally over-eager. There was a case in the first half in that game at the Etihad where City put together this stunning move and swept the ball out to Foden in the kind of inside left channel. And his first touch was really poor and it carried the ball away from him and he ended up dragging the shot wide. Mm. And, you know, the trouble is we've reached the point where, as I said, experts in the game aren't really allowed to point that out anymore because... You know, because you're, you're, you're having a go at a, a brilliant, a genius young player. Now, he is a brilliant young player, but uh, I think he's still actually in a, in, in a developmental phase. He's, he's not far off where he needs to be, but there are parts of his game that he still needs to improve. And the main one is composure around the penalty area. Yeah, completely agree on that, yeah. Mm, yeah, while we're, we're you know, um, taking, a, taking a knife to a, f- a few sacred cows, you know, 
I'm probably going to get pelters for this aid, but there is something, I don't know, there's a missing link in this City team. You know, they're beautiful to watch. But if I'm really honest, they don't emotionally engage me at all in the way that, say, Liverpool do. Yeah. Why is that, do you think? I, there, is a, there is almost like, a, it's almost too clinical yeah. in, a, in a strange way. Yeah, um, I think, yeah. Well, they're so good. They're such a well-coached side. They're so technically outstanding that they don't re- sort of rely on heart and courage. And, and they I think, sort of I think it's the difference between more. science and art. Yeah, kind and of. I, yeah, I, 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 like, I, like, I like art and all the, the fallibility that comes with that. But, but I also think that, that we're still coming to terms with City being a major powerhouse in English football, aren't we? Then they, they never used to be. It's not, it's not Liverpool. It's not Manchester United. It's, they're a new club. And I, I don't think they foster as many emotions for the neutral as, you know, good or bad emotions as as one of the institutions of English football. I think I think, I think it's going to take many more years. I think that the, the, the younger generation than us will probably feel that feel that more more than we do. I, I think they're glorious to watch. I think we should celebrate how entertaining they are. I really do. They but but I, I know what you're saying. I, I, I just feel that they're they're still slightly flawed. I see I, I see obvious weaknesses at the back. Particularly with those passes in behind the fullbacks down the sides of centre halves, and I still don't think they've they've really, really cured that, and 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 that's why for me Liverpool have the edge in all of the competitions. It doesn't mean that Liverpool are going to win all four, but I think that Liverpool are, are the more rounded team of of the two. I think on the um, on the balls behind the the, the fullbacks, it, I'd forgotten really what a what a significant. Loss it was to have Walker and Cancelo both missing in that Real Madrid game because Walker would have Walker would have given Vinicius Junior a lot less action on that right hand side. Real Madrid's left, and of course <laughs> he may or may not have got nutmegged in the way that Fernandinho did on the halfway line. But if he had, he'd have, he'd have caught up with Vinicius because he's so <laughs> quick. And and Cancelo, as we know, is is a brilliant player on the other side. So it was a significant handicap for City, I think, to be without those two players in that game. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, you know there'll be there's little that that Carlo Ancelotti hasn't seen before. You know he's managed in Champions League semi-finals in over four decades. What do you think Pep's approach to the return will be in a tactical sense, Aid? Not a lot different. I mean, actually, having said that, I think that if you look at Manchester City in the in the Premier League this season on the road, they have they've they've, they've controlled matches really well. They've kept an awful lot of clean sheets. They've they've got the best defensive record actually on their travels in the Premier League, Manchester City. So, so there's a lot there's a lot to be said. I think there's there's they're slightly less gung ho away from the Etihad than than they are on their own patch. But ultimately, I think that he he will be looking at that Real Madrid midfield and, and defence. You know, particularly I think Real Madrid's fullbacks as well. They they struggled badly, didn't they? Carvajal is 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 a clear weak link. The other teams have identified this season in the Champions League, and I think he'll look to ex- exploit them. No, it will be we're going to outscore you. I, I, I think that's 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 the that's the approach. Mm. What about Ancelotti? He says something which which struck me, Paul, after the first leg, which was, as I said, you know, gloriously chaotic, wasn't it? His quite direct quote was: "This team, these players, are able to not lose their minds." 
that's perfect for for knockout football, isn't it? It really is, and let's not forget they were three 0 down at home to Chelsea in the previous round, and still came through that. I think they were three 0 down until the seventy fifth minute, weren't they? And mm. and they uh, their ability to stay calm and to focus and use their experience is exactly what Ancelotti is, is talking about, and that came to their rescue again in Manchester, where they could have been really, you know, taken to the cleaners by City. I, I, I must say, I do admire this Real Madrid team for its ability to to stay in a game and to come back and to use all their quality and experience. And, of course, the player that's pivotal to that is is Benzema. Because Benzema, Benzema will just will keep doing his thing. He'll wait, he'll pounce on you. He's been scoring brilliant goals. He, he's been the star of these Champions League knockout rounds. And... I suppose City fans are looking at the return leg and thinking and just hoping he doesn't have another one of those games. I mean, he just he just always seems to have those games in Europe at the moment. So you can't assume that he's not going to hurt them again. Definitely. Yeah. Disappointment doesn't fluster this Real Madrid team, does it? And that's the key to, to success, because in football, you're going to trail. You're going to have bad, bad patches, bad moments in games. And it's it's being able to sort of park that. And, and 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 not change and not panic, and and yeah, only the very best teams and, and players can can do that. I think, and, and they've they've certainly got the ability. But player for player, that City are, are stronger in my opinion, and and as a collective, as a team, I, I still think City are, are, are way superior. But it doesn't mean they'll go through. Yeah. Yeah, the Bernabeu is one of my favourite stadiums, Paul. I don't know about you. Could you give the listeners, you know, you've been there on the biggest occasions as well. What's the feeling of that stadium? You know, has it got, has it got a spirit of its own? Oh, it definitely, definitely has. Uh, from the minute you get off the plane, you know you're going somewhere special. You know, you 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 walk out of your hotel door, and, and and the walk to the ground has this has this resonance about it, and it's and it there it is in front of you. This this you know this sort of cathedral, this repository of all this great history, all those European Cup wins, those 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 shirts, the kits, the fans, the it, the place just has an aura. It's got this regal aura, and and the minute you walk through the gate, you just you just know you're in the kind of heartland of something very special. Whatever your feelings about Real Madrid are, you know, you know, you know, you know, you're in one of the the, the, the absolute epicenters of the of, of world football, and any team that walks in there knows that it has to cope with that, and the, the steep stands, and the noise the crowd makes, and the, the lights, and and everything's very radiant about it. So, I admire any player that can walk onto that pitch against Real Madrid and keep their nerve and think straight because it can't be easy. <laughs> Chelsea did, didn't they? For the yeah, most they part, yeah, they really did. confident. Yeah. Well, yeah. when you think about it, as as unfair as it might seem, Aid, are we edging towards the suspicion, at least, that there is this chance that City could end up this season, you know, empty-handed, certainly in Europe. Well, of course they could. Yeah, it's not easy. They've got Liverpool chasing them in the in the Premier League. They've got two big obstacles to to get past to 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 win the Champions League. So yeah, it's um, they could end up trophyless, but they're still a great side, aren't they? They're still they're still brilliant to watch. It's I I can't be too critical of of them because they're up against an unbelievable opponent in in Liverpool. 
and and in in this tie they're up against an unbelievably durable opponent in Real Madrid, aren't they? So I'd, I, I if they were to to go out to Real Madrid, if they were to finish second to Liverpool, I, I couldn't sit here and slate Manchester City because I think they've still had a great season in in many respects, but you know they're up against you know elite opposition. I think we have to take that into into that account. Mm. Liverpool also in Spain, Paul Villarreal protecting a two-goal lead. I'm expecting a bit of a throwback occasion. You know, I, I love the community nature of that football club. I think it's fantastic that the tickets start at ten euros for a game of that magnitude. How good's that? We do need clubs like Villarreal, don't you? And I, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because you want to say how much you admire them. But you almost come across as being a bit patronising when you do that. Yeah, you do, I suppose. I mean, them knocking out Bayern Munich was was poetry, really, isn't it? In some ways, you know, it was the, it was the <laughs> ultimate sort of, and the and the and the disbelief on the face of Bayern Munich when they got knocked out by Villarreal was something to behold. And yet, again, it, it, it's a measure of Liverpool's quality that Villarreal went to Anfield with such a, let's say conservative game plan and then when you look at the players set the sets two sets of players on a piece of paper side by side you really saw how Villarreal are more than the sum of their parts individually they were all outgunned and many of them were players who'd come to the Premier League and it hadn't quite worked out for them gone back to Spain and and been organized and and improved expertly there but really in the end the quality the the, the difference in quality between those two sets of players was so obvious at Anfield, and they need a kind of miracle, really, to overcome that in the second leg. Yeah, it looks like they're going to have Gerard Moreno back, who's, a, I think, a, you know, a really almost under undervalued talent in many ways, although he's a Spanish international. One other player, Foyth. Aid, do you think Spurs let him go too early? Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, the... When you look at his performances in the Champions League this season, not just in Anfield, but but in the previous rounds, he was excellent, really, really impressive. Obviously, he can play in a number of different positions as well. You look at look at Tottenham, the three at the back formation. You look at the wing backs as well. He could play wing back or right side centre half, and and probably be better than what they've got. So yeah, but but he's also benefiting, isn't he, from from Unai Emery and the coaching there. I think he's maybe developed and improved him as a player, made him tactically more astute, and he's also playing in a team that's built to stop, isn't he? The, 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 against these elite sides, Villarreal uh, uh, primarily defensive, and and so he's offered a lot more protection than he was maybe in the, in the Premier League. But yeah, I I, I think he. Yeah, Spurs wouldn't mind him back right now. Yeah. You know, on on that point, Paul, I thought there was a really puzzlingly sour reaction to their performance at Anfield. You know, here's a club with a quarter of Liverpool's budget, an impeccably organised team. You know, that yet some people are saying they're a disgrace. I just don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're, if they're a disgrace, God help the rest of us. Um, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> What were they supposed to do? You know, uh, they obviously thought that was the that was their best hope of getting out of there relatively unscathed. And actually, a two 0 deficit was them escaping 
relatively unscathed. I don't I don't blame them for that at all. And of course, we've been spoilt really by uh, we've th- we've seen three absolutely epic games in the in the Champions League uh, knockout phases: Chelsea, Real Madrid, or Real Madrid Chelsea, I should say, Atletico, Man City, and then City Real Madrid. So. You know, if if we're expecting every game to be like that, we're deluding ourselves. A team like Villarreal is entitled to go to Anfield with any game plan it wants to go with, frankly. Yeah. What about the Liverpool team? And and specifically, Aid, the evolution of Sadio Mane this season. You know, he's he's almost becoming a, a false nine, isn't he? Yeah. Well, he's always been able to do that, hasn't he? He's he he's a winger that's really a centre forward, and that's the beauty of this Liverpool forward line. All of the guys can hug the touchline and beat a man, but they can also be a centre forward. And Sadio Mane is is that guy. I think what what makes him pretty special is his timing. He he sees the picture of where the ball is going to end up a little bit quicker than the majority of players in English football, in world football, really. He, he, you look at, keep your eye on the runs that he makes. He just anticipates quicker than defenders, and and he's able to finish, isn't he, with both feet and his head. He's he's a really adaptable player. So yeah, he's got all the tools to be this sort of modern striker that isn't a striker, hasn't he, Sadio Mane? I I, I do I, I rate him so highly, but but when you when you've got Jota in there, Salah, and Luis Diaz as well, it's He's not guaranteed a game, is he? he did, you, we, none of us could sit here and say, "Well, Mane is definitely going to start," because there's a, there's a possibility he won't. At the other end, you know, one of the almost metronomic performances of this season, you know, across the Premier League, across Europe, Virgil Van Dijk. Paul, you know, he lost the season essentially last year. He's just been—he's he, one of these players that you almost don't notice because he is so efficient and so clinically good. Yeah, when he injured himself in that game at Everton, I, I, I was aghast. Really. I, was, I kept thinking, God, I hope he comes back to uh, what, he's, what he's been, because he's such a good player to watch. And if, if you like good defending, he's, he's, the, you know, he's, he's the ultimate, really. And, and I, I was slightly anxious that, that, that he wouldn't come back at, at his old level. He, and he didn't at first. It took him a while to get back in and, and, and judge the pace of the game and I think establishes confidence and physical authority. But now, as you said, Mike, he's, he's gone back to just pinching the ball off people like he's taking sweets off a child. You know, he, he, just, he, just, he just appears, he, he, you know, he disappears. He's, he's, he's toying with people again, really. And that ability and exuberance and solidity in defence just spreads itself to the, to the back half of the team and he must be, it must be great playing with him because he exudes so much confidence. One other thing is those long diagonals, those early yeah. long diagonals. The, the those players that I just talked about, the strikers, they're getting the ball with better quality and sooner than they did before. It's getting to them so that they've got time to get up a head of speed, head of steam, and take players on. He's, yeah, his distribution is almost as good as his defending, which is remarkable, really, because he's a, a sensational defender. Mm. You know, yeah, harking back to last Friday, Paul Mo Salah. Uh, was announced as the Football Writers Player of the Year. Almost uniquely, I actually backed the winner this year. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Yeah. yeah. What, what about you, Paul? 
Well, I broke my golden rule, which is that always vote for the best player in the league. And the best player of the league to me is um, is Kevin De Bruyne. So I could just vote for him every year quite happily. <laughs> but so at the last minute, something made me introduce a bit of variety into my play. And, and I, I went for Declan Rice because I, I, I admire him so much. I quite, I quite see that West Ham are, you know, not high enough in the table for you to want to award him for being the best player. But I, I just I just like him so much. And I think he's had such a great season. And and he's going to be such a great player. I just thought I'd you know spread the love a little bit, but I would have been happy with Mo Salah or Kevin De Bruyne winning it equally. Yeah, I think that's a really good shout, Declan Rice. And you know, given that West Ham, he will play a key role uh, as he has throughout the season, aid in them trying to come from behind two uh, one behind in uh, Frankfurt on Thursday. What are his chances of pulling that one off? Do you think? Well, they're up against it. Aren't they? They're underdogs, but no one expected West Ham to go to Leon and and play with such sort of authority. So that so that's the blueprint, isn't it, for them? Just repeat what they they produced over there in France against Frankfurt, who who did outplay them, I think, in in the, in the first leg. It was very impressive, really slick, great movement. And what I, what I felt my takeaway from that first leg at London Stadium was that maybe. The team got caught up in the emotion of the game, you know, feverish atmosphere. They kind of went away from what's got them there in terms of their solidity and their shape. They got caught on the counter numerous occasions. And and that's not that's not David Moyes' West Ham, is it? That doesn't normally happen. So they need to be really careful. And I think they will be. It will be a a more pragmatic approach, I, I would imagine where they then look to to be efficient and, and nick, nick a goal um, on the break. They need to be the ones that are on the on the counter against Frankfurt rather than the other way around, I think. Yeah, you know, we you, you mentioned um, you, you called it the the London Stadium aid. I have to say I still call it the Olympic Stadium just as a a small protest against uh, uh, the um, you know, omnipresent West Ham owners who insist that they're a London brand. Having said that, Paul, on that night, and increasingly, actually, to be fair, this season, that stadium has felt like a football ground, hasn't it? Funny you should mention that, because we're approaching the 10th anniversary of the London 2012 Games. It doesn't feel like um, 10 years ago, but... <laughs> wow. It's, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's taken 10 years, really, for, for that stadium to feel like a football ground, uh, partly through West Ham's own fault, all the turbulence they went through and, you know, the, the unhappiness of the fans and so on. But but finally, they look embedded there for the very simple reason that they've got a good team and a good manager to make them feel happy to, to go there, you know. And so, yeah, a decade on from that glorious summer, West Ham have a, a sort of purpose, uh, an identity. And it's a relief in a way because that stadium... Well, I won't go into the, the the funding of it and the political aspects of it, but uh, it needed to it needed to find a use and it needed to be successful and and maybe it's just you know turning a corner now. Yeah, and um, you know when we talk about appreciating West Ham as a club, I think you've got to appreciate someone like Mark Noble, Aid. You know, you, you've been around players who almost embody the football clubs they play for. Yeah, you know, he's he's reiterated that he's going to retire at the age of thirty four. Now, here's a player, he's very grounded, very socially aware, obviously very loyal. Someone like him, has he got a future 
perhaps in the coaching staff? I think so. Yeah, I do. He he looks yeah he looks the type of type of guy that will that should stick around. He needs to be in the game. I really like Martin Ober. I've met him, met him a few times and yeah enjoy talking to him. And 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 he always comes across so well. He is West Ham, and and yeah hopefully they'll they'll sort of make him part of the the coaching staff a little bit like Michael Carrick was at, at Manchester United post post-retirement he's a really good influence and and I like the, the the strength of sort of his character to say look even if we qualify for the Champions League I'm still retiring I'm not going to be selfish in in that regard just so that I can have a little taste of it as a player you know when you know and he and I think he he, he realizes is it's the right time and yeah I, I understand that he's doing he's done his badges or he's doing his badges so see so yeah, I don't think we've heard the last of of Martin Noble and yeah, it might be the case. Obviously, with Steven Gerrard, there's this sort of general feeling that one day he'll manage Liverpool. Martin Noble might might have to go out, go away from West Ham, and, and serve his apprenticeship somewhere. But and if he can prove himself, then then yeah, maybe he'll end up at West Ham, or he'll just come stay at stay at the club and, and and work his way up through through the ranks. But I could certainly see him leading West Ham United as as the manager in the future. Yeah, more immediately Thursday, Paul. You know, you looked at. I, I saw some social media footage of the uh, Eintracht Frankfurt fans going to the game. You know, walking across the park. It was like an invading army, and you know they took thirty thousand to Barcelona. Let's not forget when they're at home on Thursday. That atmosphere is going to be amazing, isn't it? Yes, it is, and uh, and and if. Age is right when he says that the West Ham players maybe got caught up in the emotion of the, the home leg, then um, <laughs> they're certainly going to get caught up potentially in the emotion of what the opposition fans tried to do to them away from home. And of course, West Ham haven't really had a lot of experience on this front. There are a lot of international players in that side who will have played in big international matches, but at club level, this is all uncharted territory for them and they're going to. it's going to be difficult for them to... Yeah, to keep a cool head. The, the 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 German fandom is 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 always interesting. It's always intriguing. It's got a kind of identity of its own. And um, I don't know if the players find it intimidating, but I do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So by contrast, Ibrox on the same evening is going to be quite sedate, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no, it's not. And and yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? They've already talked about it. I, I saw the the RB Leipzig head coach had already. Was already saying that I can't wait for Ibrox. It's a special stadium. It's it's iconic, and and I think they've got a good away record, haven't they? Leipzig, I, they'll back themselves. And they are overwhelming favourites. I think they're they're the overwhelming favourites to to win this competition. Leipzig, Rangers defended pretty well, I think, by and large. They didn't have that many efforts on goal, Leipzig, but they did miss some real chances. And, and Kunku, who's been terrific for them. Uh, missed an open goal, a couple of other better than half chances as well. So, yeah, Rangers will have to be at their their, their optimum to to stand a chance. But but the fan, you know that the fans will play their part. You know that they'll make they'll make make it as intimidating as as possible. And yeah, it's 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 helped carry Rangers this far. Maybe maybe they can go again. But if, if Rangers were to overcome Leipzig, I think it would be an extraordinary achievement. Yeah, that likely, Paul, given, you know, I, I think we, we need to take a step back and really 
praise Rangers for, for getting this far in a competition which is really proving itself this year, isn't it? Yeah, we do need to praise them. And, and again, when, when Steve and Gerard left, it was possible to think that the Rangers would just return to the old the old scenario of battling out with Celtic and that, that the sort of they'd gone through a sort of glamour phase and that, that was now over. So they've they've done really well to to progress and to make a name for themselves in in you know in this competition. And they should be more prominent than they have been in Europe, even on their resources. Uh, you know, with a name like that, it, 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 I think, and I think the fans need it. The, the Scottish uh, duopoly of Rangers and Celtic is is great, but ultimately it has to have a European dimension for it to translate outside that country. And you know, and Rangers are, are taking it outside the borders. Yeah. Do you think you know clubs from those sort of mid-table leagues, or, or sort of mid-table clubs from bigger leagues like Bundesliga, are these clubs Frankfurt, Leipzig to a degree? Are they likely to be victims? Do you think, Aid, of this? UEFA reform of the Champions League, so-called reform, which is going to give two places to, you know, frankly, unqualified but bigger clubs. Yeah, I don't like it. I must admit, I don't. I don't like the the feeling behind it. We all know it's a sort of peace offering, isn't it, to to those big clubs that were threatening to to break away for the Super League. It's it's sort of a compromise call, isn't it? I don't think anyone from a sporting integrity point of view would would welcome this at all one thing i i would praise them for is is the conference league how i've been mm. really surprised by it mm. i think that 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 and the europa league now it's well obviously we used to have three european comp- competitions with the cup winners cup i think bringing back a third was a really smart move and and it's enlivened so many mid-ranking clubs across across europe because football's all about winning isn't it it's about that possibility to win silverware and for clubs like you know Feyenoord as well you know looking at the conference league Roma well Roma less so but but a Leicester it's given them a chance to win a European trophy I, th- I think it's it's been a very welcome introduction a little bit like the Nations League as well I thought I thought that's that's worked out quite well as well so so a little bit of praise for for those calls but no no thanks to the to these two sort of places that they're they're gifting to the bigger clubs, that's that's wrong in my opinion. Mm, yeah, well, Paul and I go back to the Intercities Fairs Cup, probably, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Leicester, Paul. Uh, you know, one-one in Rome. It was interesting. Tammy Abraham, who has let's let's be honest here, you know, really seized the imagination and his opportunity in Rome. He was you know, knocking on about Jose Mourinho being one of the best, and I think this is a direct quote, is one of the best coaches on the planet. If Rome will win the Conference League, he will see this obviously as a personal vindication. Is that justified? Well, his, his record, you know, if he just put his medals on the table, he wouldn't have much of of a debate with you about whether he's a great manager. The question obviously has always been, is he still a great manager in the context of the way the game has developed? Is he a great manager for today or is he a great manager for yesterday? Tammy Abraham thinks he's still a great manager. and he's, uh, But the, the move to Roma suggested, you know, there's an element of ever-decreasing circles about that, wasn't there? It was a step down from the type of club that he's he's used to managing. And you wondered whether he would just... 
he's, he just sort of fade into the background a bit, although he's, come to think of it, he's not very good at fading, is he? Uh, um, <laughs> or being in the background, but you know what I mean, that he was just, just stepping down the rungs of what was a great coaching career. And it'll be very interesting to see whether he can he can revive that at Roma and, and, and show the world that, no, actually, he should be managing one of the tip, top six um, clubs in Europe because at the moment none of those clubs would appoint him, I don't think, because mm. it's too much trouble. Yeah. What about Leicester, Aid? Probably fair to say they were the better team in the first leg, hit by a bit of a, a sucker punch. James Madison, someone who divides opinion, to be charitable, he does seem to be fulfilling his uh, fulfilling himself, doesn't he? I, I like him. I do. I think he's a really nice player to watch. Obviously gifted, technic, technically excellent. Yeah, he, he's, he's sometimes slightly unpopular. He's a bit. He's, he's a little bit flash, isn't he, James Madison? He makes no apologies for that. But no, as a footballer, I want him to. I'm, I'm sort of willing him to to fulfil his potential. And he's working with a good coach, isn't he, Brendan Rodgers? I, I, I rate I rate him highly. He wants to play attacking football, and. And I'll credit James Madison because earlier on in the season he was out of the side. They couldn't really find a place for him. He was he, he was he was a little bit out of sorts. He didn't have a position that worked for him within the framework that Brendan Rodgers wanted. And he he could have kicked off. He could have sold. He could have angled for a move. But but he didn't. He he kind of just knuckled down. Did a bit less media and 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 concentrated on his football and. And and I think he's he's a better player for it. What what I think the key difference for him in, in recent months is maybe he's getting uh, coming deeper less, but 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 uh, making more impact inside the final third. So he's probably having less touches of the ball, but the touches that he's having are more decisive than they were, and and that shows a little bit of maturity on his part and and credit as well to to Leicester for for yeah developing a role that suits him. Yeah, you know, one thing that struck me watching that first leg, Paul, was the performance of Wes Fofana. I suppose it's inevitable that you think, you know, it's one of those if-only observations here. What would Leicester's season have looked like had he been fit for the duration? Better. I'm certain of that. Uh, he's one of the most... He's a complete prodigy. I think every club in you know in Europe will be looking at him as, as potentially as... Um, as a as a bedrock centre back, uh, you know, potentially a kind of no, I won't start throwing names like Virgil Van Dijk in. That's just silly. There's no need to. But you know what I mean. I think he's I think he's top level. He's ability wise, and it was a it was a pretty grievous blow when when Leicester lost him. True. This is the final point, gents. It seems that momentum is building for the two legged Champions League semi finals, which let's face it, have been a real success to be scrapped and a so-called week of football in a single city implemented. And there's you know, some talk that this could well be introduced in the 24-25 season. I suppose a simple question for both of you, please. Good or bad thing? <laughs> Shall I go first? Um, I'll go first because I, I think I'm going to sit on the fence. I, don't, I genuinely don't know how I feel about it because I can see the pros and the cons. We've just had as Paul said earlier on in the show some of the best two-legged Champions League ties in in living memory just phenomenal we haven't even mentioned I think Real Madrid PSG was it was phenomenal as well two-legged ties 
are awesome when you've got this level of football and and teams that want to play attack-minded football. Uh, so I'd be loath to change it. But at the same time, I think fans, you know, would would quite like the the opportunity to go and enjoy the the experience of following their side to to you know foreign city to go and watch them in in a big semi final and then potentially to stick around for a final a few days later. I think the fact for, from a fan's experience it might be quite special. So so I'm torn. I personally wouldn't change it. I wouldn't. I don't think there's a need for the change. But in, in the same breath, I might enjoy watching it, <laughs> and and it would be one less game, you know. Obviously, and, and and players these days they can't handle it, can they? They they need less football. We keep we keep being told that. Yeah, absolutely. And when, you know, it was tried in the champ. Sorry, in the Nations League, Paul. What do you feel? Well, I just look at the games we've just seen and and ask myself why anybody would want to change that system when it's so good i mean we've all been intoxicated by these games so why mess around with that and then you wonder what the motivations are for you know having a week of football in a single city it, it feels like an attempt to create a kind of pseudo mini tournament the the you know the reasons for which can only be commercial uh, if they wanted to save the players a game they could remove it somewhere else they don't need to remove one of these one of these uh, legs of a, of, a, of a semi-final. Of course, the beauty of the semi-finals being home and away is they create this wonderful jeopardy and this, this, this tension and this anticipation between the first game and the second. All you can do is review the first game and wonder how the second game is going to unfold. And then when you get to the second game, it's a completely different challenge in a completely different stadium. And it's, it's fascinating. So I cannot see why you would mess with that. Yeah, yeah I can understand that argument. I suppose if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, you know, it might be an unpopular opinion, but I can see the positives in, in the change. As Aid alluded to there, the modern schedule is unsustainable. It's going to shorten players' careers and it probably risks shortchanging the fans. That's not to excuse the original motivation for this idea, which, as Paul said, is, let's be honest, money. What do you think? I have a hunch that this debate might run and run. In the meantime, uh, thanks to Adrian and to Paul for their insights, and thank you for listening to the Football Writers Podcast. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.